Hi, this is Stuart Hardy with All In Sports Outreach, and I'm so excited to share a new episode of our podcast with you. Today, you're going to hear from Coach Tommy Wisden. Coach Wisden is currently the head football coach at Faulkner University in Montgomery, Alabama, married to Kim. They have three kids. One is actually a coach at Faulkner and two students at Faulkner. Just an incredible man of God, a passion for teaching Christ to young men through the game of football. I can't wait for you to hear from Coach Wisden, so let's jump right into it. Well, thanks for joining me today, Coach Wisden. You're welcome, Stuart. Appreciate you having me. You bet. So I'd like to start this off with just some background information. So if you just give the listeners a little bit about yourself and where you grew up, your family growing up, and then a little bit about your family today. Well, I'm the son of of two educators. My father was a very successful high school coach and administrator. And really, when he was coming through in the 70s and 80s and his 38-year tenure, it was the way to get uh, and provide for your family more was to move. So we we were kind of like military kids and preachers kids. We moved around a lot growing up. I think the longest I was anywhere was three and a half years in Demopolis. But uh, was born in Greenville, uh, lived most of my life in Alabama with the exception of a three-year stint, just short of three years uh, in Pensacola. And I've lived in Alabama ever since, except for a year and a half at junior college over in Mississippi. So uh, we we had been he had, he had won a state championship at Medview Christian there in Selma when I was in elementary school. And uh, as I mentioned, uh, I've been in Pensacola. Then we moved to Demopolis after my sophomore year, or towards the end of my sophomore year. He was approached by the board of trustees at Medview Christian about returning there. And it's it's a really good story to me because he, he said, Tom, what do you think about? And moving back to Selma, and I said, "Well, I really feel like we had, I, you know, I've been there three and a half years. The, the most roots I've put down anywhere had some solid, had a decent football team. Uh, he was always going to have a, a good football team. Um, we were a two A team playing a lot of teams up, which really helped us from the playoff picture. And I just said that I think we can win a state championship here. And uh, he said, "Well, I think we can win one in Selma, and so we're going to move to Selma." <laughs> so I said, <laughs> Why, why did you ask if you really didn't care what I had to say? But it, it was a so it was a blessing, of course. We moved back to Selma. Um, I was able to beat Morgan fifteen to fourteen in the last minute of the game, my junior year, and then uh, it was a little one sided. I won't say the score my senior year, but uh, that's always good. That's the only thing we beat Morgan in, Stuart. But uh, <laughs> I, at wrestling, I, I did I did well against the Morgan guys in wrestling. But basketball and, and baseball, I, I took nothing but defeats through the years. But finished there, um, had an opportunity to play college football and or baseball. I actually went to junior college at Holmes over Mississippi to play both and ended up that I uh, let my football coach talk me out of playing baseball, which went away was a blessing, but I was very, you know, better suited to be a baseball player with my size. But but I loved the game of football. So played there for two years and transferred to Troy and was able to be a part of the 1987 national championship team there. Began my coaching career working for my father at Prattville, then went back to Medivue Christian. I lived in Selma four times in my life. I think that has to be a record of some sort. And uh, enjoyed it every time. But uh, we moved back there and uh, started my head coaching career there. Had a good three-year run. Went from there to Goshen, from there to uh, Pike County, there back to Medivue Christian, then there to Mobile Christian. I wanted, I did not want my children to grow up as I had as a nomad. And we moved to Mobile in uh, 2001 and all three of my kids my oldest was in the third grade at the time all three of my kids were able to finish school there and I was really happy there I I was able to be the administrator and the the football coach for a number of years I was just the administrator for uh, five of those years uh, the 16 that I was there 
But, uh, you know, always close to the game. Uh, was able to coach both of my boys. Uh, I think they would tell you it was a good experience. I, I would tell you it was a great experience playing for, for my dad after a couple of months. And that's probably what they would say, too. And that, that's probably pretty, pretty typical with fathers and sons. But started my coaching career, you know, like I said, with my dad, too. Um, great experiences. And then just out of the blue, uh, Shane was able to get the head football coaching position at Fulton University and um, approached me about coming to help. And it was a it was a time in my career when I felt like I really wanted to pursue the football angle and, and really wanted to see, you know, how to help mold young men at a, at a, at a time. Those four or five years of college, I think people really determine who they're going to be uh, more than any other time, perhaps, in their lives. What was it like uh, being on the staff of your younger brother? <laughs> well, I've always been Shane's biggest fan. I, I felt like I was four years older than him. Um, you know, he was never a thing growing until the ninth grade. He beat me in a, in, a, in a sprint in the backyard. We had a big backyard, and it was probably 35 to 40 yards, and I never raced him again. Uh, but um, although we had it, a, a good sibling rivalry, as much as you can have four years apart, because it helped him be a better competitor, uh, he was always a little bit better athlete, coming along a little faster, uh, a little naturally stronger. He matured sooner than I did. But anyway, the question you asked was how was it working for him? I, I pulled for him all the way through. It took a lot of pride in, in what he did. And, uh, you know, I love my brother tremendously. And it, it was a blessing working for him. Now, I don't know it would have worked very well the other way around. But uh, <laughs> the, the biggest thing, Stuart, you know, moving from the high school arena to the, the college game, there, there are a number of different things. And even for him, moving from the NCAA to the NAI, there were a lot of things that really you couldn't be prepared for. So, um, you know, God's hand is in everything. Uh, I didn't know that I would ever be the head coach at Fulton University, but, but had I gone there directly as the head football coach, I would not have been near as prepared as I was after working for him for a year. Mm -hmm. So it was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, it would have been more fun if we'd have won more games. Our quarterback, we were four and one. Our quarterback hurt in, in the, uh, the the fifth game. We were leading seventeen to seven when he was injured. Was out for the remainder of the season. Had to have shoulder surgery, and our season kind of went down. Very competitive, but uh, you know, it's never fun. Never fun to lose. <laughs> so, but anyway, we had a good time together. And, and then when he he left in in January, he recommended me for the position. And, uh, the president, the vice president of the university, and as well as the athletic director, I'll find the position. Wow. That's some big shoes to fill, right? Even though it's little brother, I mean, um, you know, to keep to keep the family in, in the same spot, that's huge. And no your question. son is now working for you, right? He is. He's been with us the entire time. He, he worked uh, a full-time job. Uh, he and Kyle Fuller uh, were both full-time members of our staff and working full-time. Our first year there was Shane, um, and then and then um, when I moved into the, the head coaching position, left the receivers position open, and, and Peyton filled that position full time. Yeah, of course, we had a really good staff there. We, our guys that have either uh, all played, coached, or both at the Division One level, either FBS or FCS. I think that's pretty unique for an NAI program, and the, you know the. The competition, the, the, the level of competition is really good. It's very competitive. Uh, you, you know, when people haven't been familiar with NAIA schools, they don't really realize how many high school football players there are out there wanting an opportunity to play college football. So I kind of compare it to a smaller school in high school versus a, a larger one. 
you're going to have a little more size, a little more numbers, a little more speed, a little more strength. But yet we've got division one football players on our team. We have guys that have the opportunity to play professionally. So it's a, it's a a very, very uh, competitive and and fun league to coach and be a part of. Absolutely. We're going to get back into that in just a moment. I want to ask you a question about um, kind of set the stage here about your faith journey. So talk about um, obviously a strong man of faith, but talk about that journey and, and making that decision to have a personal relationship with Jesus and what that looked like? Well, I think you would uh, probably be aware of this, but, you know, fathers in homes and fathers that are Christians have a tremendous influence. Statistically, it, it's proven through research that that children have a much better opportunity to, to come up in the faith that their dad was, even even though there's some exceptions where moms have been able to bring kids to faith. Um my, my dad was not really a Christian. We went to church when I was growing up, but he did not become a, a Christian, a baptized believer until we were in Selma, a better be Christian. Uh, Paul Walker baptized him in a swimming pool in the back of a, uh, one of the members' backyards. I was there. Uh, it's something that, that I see as clearly today as I did then. And that left a tremendous impression on me. Um, growing up in the church, I had a good foundation, but I did not really feel like I was good enough. Like you hear so many people talk about, I'm, I'm not ready. You know, mm-hmm. I, I looked at so many people older than me and, and, and as Christians and see that I felt like they really had it together. And I knew I would be there one day, but, but didn't feel like I, I would, you know, and that's such a lie that it tells us. And so I had a couple of injuries, my, my, my sophomore year, I'll back up a little bit. I told you I had a couple of bumps with my dad, my freshman year in, in high school. Um, I'm probably the only player. I'm the only player I'm aware of that he ever kicked. Uh, although he did get upside a few heads a few times, and and I smarted off to him. And you know, in hindsight, I, I certainly I won't say deserved it, but uh, it was it didn't hurt. It was more embarrassing than any. And and so I really resolved after that, Stuart, to work my butt off to to be the quarterback for the team that fall. And in the first game. I throw my first varsity high school touchdown pass. I run for my first touchdown. I'm, I'm all of five, four, 117 pounds. I know that because they weighed me that night at the hospital. Third quarter, I break my arm uh, really badly. Uh, both bones, uh, compound fracture. Oh, not compound. didn't come out of skin, but it, it was my, my arm was sticking in two directions. Let's put it that way. And uh, I, I just felt, like, you know, it's, it's interesting what brings different people to the Lord but uh, it, it was it was like, OK, I did all this. It's just not about me. I think I had sports as kind of my God at the time. And it was a wake up call for me. And, mm-hmm. you know, I had come to the realization uh, a part of that I left out. I had broken my ankle earlier that spring. That was a part of my motivation, kind of when the, the, the light switched from being mad at my dad and almost hanging up football to Mom said she would support that. That's probably the only way that it would have happened <laughs> to <laughs> hurting myself, doing something stupid, jumping off a stool, dunking a basketball, um, breaking my ankle. And then really, like I said, working my tail off to be the, the guy because we didn't really have anybody else. We had a so-so year after that, after I was injured. And, um, you know, I, I realized I couldn't do it on my own. And uh, through a lot of prayer, um, through, through, I think, the grace of God, Again, it's different ways that, that he speaks to us, and, and that was how I came to know that it was time for me to 
not try to be perfect, but be the best version of me that I could be and give my life to the Lord. And then that's what I did in October of 20, uh, not 20. I've been uh, 1981, wow. 1980. Yeah. What a story. That's cool. That's amazing how, you know, God can use certain things to, to kind of get your attention when uh, priorities are a little um, out of whack. And, you know, with someone older, that, that wouldn't make any sense at all. But because sports was such a big part of my life, uh, that's what he used. And, and I agree. It's, it's, uh, the, the important thing is that we're, we're aware and that we're paying attention when, when he's knocking. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. That, very good. And a lot of, you know, when I, I want to go back to what you said about, you know, that, 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 that history. And that's just always, every time I hear that stat about kids have a greater chance of living a, a life following Christ if the dad does. And just as a dad now, it's just a reminder of the importance of every day, you know, so that's just, a, I'm glad you said that because that is such an important reminder and to coaches, you know, because there's a lot of guys that, you know, that, on the teams now that don't have that at home. So coaches have that opportunity to kind of be that quote unquote dad and, you know, live the life that reflects Christ. Fortunately, there are exceptions, but uh, all too often that's not the case. And and I applaud those. And and as you mentioned, I'm glad you brought that up because coaches can have influence. I I believe that, that coaches, because of the things that we go through with our athletes can have a greater influence, even than a dad, in a lot of instances, in a lot of ways, uh, more so than the preacher, more so than a teacher, more so than, than another relative. So uh, coaches, you know, it's a, I, I view that as a great opportunity and yet a great responsibility. It's something that I pray about often uh, because it, there's no manual to, to tell you what is the best way to, to reach young men. And that the biggest thing, as Stuart, as you know, is having three children. They're all different. But we're, we're more alike than we are different in, in every aspect. But what motivates us so oftentimes it's different than, than figuring out from a, a performance standpoint and mm-hmm. for a reason for the Lord uh, varies with the, with the kid. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, talking about, you know, obviously your faith plays a big role in you as a, as a coach. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure it, as when you were administrator as well, but you're now at a Christian university. So talk about what it's like to be the head coach at a Christian university, kind of from the discipleship standpoint, because, you know, a lot of people um, kind of make some wrong assumptions about Christian University. So, I mean, I know I, I recognize every player is at Faulkner is not a believer. But what does it look like from your cultural standpoint of discipleship? Well, I want to back up to, to high school because um, you know a few guys that, that I coached. And, and as I was mentioning a moment ago, there, there's no manual for it. I think you do as much research as you can. The greatest manual, obviously, is Scripture. And, and telling us how we are to live. And I think the, the first thing I would point out is that's most important. You know, if, if you're preaching one thing and living another, if you're, you're motivating those guys in, in the wrong way, um, as opposed to, to the right, a lot of encouragement. Yes, you do have to discipline young men. They need that. They, they desire that in a lot of ways because, as you mentioned, a lot don't come from a structured environment. So that's all a part of it. But um, it's something that I always tried to do a good job of going back to my father. He was a good example of that. He was going to make sure that we prayed out of practice each day, you know, just a little thing, but a thing that was important. And 
he has players that he hasn't seen in 20 or 30 years that will look him up, give him a call. A lot of times, drive off the beaten path in Butler mm. County. I'm going to come see him. And it's a, it's a really heartwarming to know the respect that he had from the, from the guys that, that played under him. Um, but I think we, we need to take it beyond that, certainly. And, uh, again, I, I told you a few moments ago that I really wanted to see what that looked like on the college level um, because they're just – it's a make-or-break time for a lot of guys. And you pointed out that a lot of these guys aren't believers. I think Christian secondary schools – and Christian universities have more in common than, than not, just like us as, as people. But the biggest thing that they have in, in common is that we are emphasizing and, and building those young people up that are Christian. So we're providing that service. I think that is extremely important for a Christian high school or a Christian university. But at the same time, we're, we're a mission field, and we have a mission field with these non-believers, these children that perhaps went to church sporadically or not at all growing up. So it's, it's twofold. And so we, we have a team council. Uh, I think it's very important to get the players involved, especially at the college level. I did it in high school, but especially at the college level and, and, the, and the guys I know that, that, that coach that are successful um, at this level do the same thing. Uh, give them, you know, ultimately it's their team. When I was a player, I had my time. I want to lead and guide these guys to be successful. If you do not have leaders on your team, it doesn't matter how hard you coach, how hard you work, you're not going to be as successful as you can be if you have the buy-in of the team. So our guys, uh, our team council has, has devotionals itself. It says devotionals for our, our players. Um, uh, we do not allow profanity on our, our, our practice field. Um, players are disciplined. If that's the case, our coaches don't use it. Um, that's not the case at all universities, not all Christian universities, unfortunately. So um, I think, again, it's important that if you're going to preach one thing, they have to see that in you because obviously actions speak a lot louder than words and actions will undo your words if, if, if they don't see you living what you preach. That's good. I'm writing that down, that actions will, can undo your words. That's good. I mean, I've always heard and my dad would tell me too many times to count. Actions speak louder than your words, son. Um, I like that. So let me ask you, um, you mentioned no profanity allowed by coaches. There's been a lot of talk from the last year or so. It was all over social media in the fall. I think it came from um, Last Chance You. One of the coaches, you know, came out and basically said, you know, every coach cusses and degrades players. And you had guys like Tony Dungy and others that came out and said, that's not true. You don't have to lead that way. So how do you, as a believer – and a coach, how do you balance that demand of, because I mean, I think coaching hard is right. I mean, you got to demand excellence. Um, so how do you, how do you balance that um, as a believer of coaching hard versus degrading um, kind of what you hear of quote unquote old school coaching? Yeah. And, and there's a lot of truth in that. And then it was old school coaching. And I think a lot of guys still work that way. I don't think it's as good a motivational tool with kids today as it was some time ago. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it's true or not, but, it, you know, the Marine Corps probably has the foulest mouth uh, drill instructor sergeants that there are out there, right? Well, it, my understanding is a few years back, they told them to dial it back because it wasn't having the effect anymore that it used to, you know, getting the attention that it used to because they were just numb to it. They heard it all the time. And that's kind of what that coach was pointing out, whereas – 
you know, the, the biggest thing I noticed with him is he was totally different with his family. And, and I don't, oh, yes, I'm different on the field. I remember I didn't coach my first few years in Mobile and uh, somebody commented when they saw me coaching, they said, wow, the, the coach Tommy Wise is a lot different than the administrator. And, and I, I've really allowed that to, to resonate in my mind. And what was the difference? Because I wanted to be the same person uh, all the time, but you know, from a, a volume standpoint, uh, from an energy standpoint, obviously you don't lead a school the way you lead a football pro. But but to your point, I think one, um, it doesn't work as well as it used to, the old school, school type coaching, because of what I was making the point with the drill instructor. The, the kids are used to it. You know, a lot of these kids are beat down by their families, by their friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's sad, you know, what we see a lot of times these days. And so – while we can't always positively motivate, uh, that's what we try to do. When you see a kid doing something correctly that you want the other guys doing, number one, when you recognize that in front of the group, it's going to help him. You know, that pat on the back is going to make him to do to do uh, a better job, as well as those around him. You know, it's it's uh, it's just a much more effective way to, to motivate young men doesn't take the discipline out of things. In fact, I think it assists that in a lot of ways. I like that. I really hadn't really considered, I mean, it sounds simple, but I hadn't really considered what you said about one reason maybe why it's not as effective as it was is because kids are so beaten down at home that when they get their tone deaf to it, really, you know, and um, that's good. I'm reading a book right now, actually, uh, Lead for God's Sake. Great book. Yeah, and so as you're telling that, um, I'm at the point of the book where the coach is sitting down with the janitor and he's kind of going through that transformation because he was coaching exactly like that old school with the hatchet. And so I've been thinking a lot about that in the last week or so as I've been diving into that book. And as you were talking, <laughs> every that whole book was just coming to mind. That is a great book. That, that coach reminds me so much of who I want to be. You know, the guy that wrote it's the coach who wrote the book. And it is so real. Um, and, you know, the, the thing that – look, you just made a great book recommendation because everybody needs to read that book, whether Absolutely. they're a coach or not, leader in business, any type of leader. But any person is going to be a better person if they read it. The biggest thing you see in this transformation of the coach in his own that Stuart, he was miserable. When he was coaching, right. he was miserable. And he becomes – you know, a much better effective, a much more effective coach, a much better coach through this process and a much happier person because of it. That's right. That, yeah. Much more God's way. That what a I mean, you could see that story unfolding as a real story, and I'm not so sure that it doesn't have some basis in some fact. But uh I, I had a, a janitor at at uh, Faulkner in the first couple of years that was a wise guy and we, we had a lot of good conversations. And and it's a reminder too, you know, God tells us to be no respecter of persons. And in that book, it really points out the fact that that coach respected. And and even though that guy was a janitor, he was a man of wisdom. You know, another reminder, you know, book sense and knowledge, um, those things are great, but they're not action words. Wisdom is an action word. And that's what this guy was giving to him. So, um, man, I would recommend everybody read that book. And I'm, I'm working on my second time reading it. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, you know, I'm a never have been a big reader. So it's got to be a book that gets me from the beginning. And it's, you know, it's a, 
it's very simply written. And I'm with you though. I'm pretty convinced that it's based off of something yeah. that happened because um, in my mind, it's just, it's so real. Um, and I have a friend of mine who texted me the other day that said he's reading it. I think probably for the third time from the, trying to focus on the perspective of the janitor um, taking that perspective. He, he recommended, this is actually good. I plan on doing the same thing and reading it multiple times and putting yourself in uh, one time the coach's shoes, one, the players, and then the janitor. And um, it's so true. Um, it's a lot of wisdom for life in that. Um, that's good stuff. So that let me ask is, you. The only book inside the table right now is that book. I can, I can wow. That's pretty wild. That is. Um, let me ask you, how do you balance um, the demands of your your role as a head coach with also being a husband and a dad? Well, that's a good, really good question. And I won't say that I've always done the best job of it. I am tremendously blessed to work with three of the finest young people on the planet. You know, obviously I'm not objective in that regard, but um, they have avoided a lot of the pitfalls through the teenage years that a lot of the young people experience. And, you know, we learn in several ways. You know, we, we learn through instruction. We learn by example. We learn through experience. And, you know, experience is a great way to, 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 to learn things that are good and wholesome, but not such a good way to learn the things that you need to avoid. So um, my kids, and look, their mama gets a lot of credit. I don't deserve a lot of credit. But uh, I think putting them in the right environment um, you know, you've heard that it takes a village. You know, I, I prefer a community. You know, we were surrounded by a community of believers that really helped my kids grow up. Uh, my youngest is a junior in college now, business major at Faulkner University. My middle son uh, finished at Faulkner, is now teaching and coaching at, at uh, Mobile Christian, in fact, his, his alma mater. And you mentioned earlier my son coaching with me here. Now, with that said, they're not perfect young people, but I'm very proud of them. Um, Back to your question, you know, I just had to throw that plug in there. Um, how you balance that, you try to leave as much as you can. This is something I learned from my father also. He didn't bring a lot home. We talked football sometimes at home, but not a lot. Uh, it was more about other things at home. My mother is a very strong woman. My wife is a very strong woman. I dated my wife, my father's advice, for an extra year through the first year of my career to see, you know, how she would, would, would handle the, the being away from home as much as I have, you know, it's, it's kind of flip-flop a bit with her work through the years that she's had to, to be away. So it's, it's a good perspective to have on that too. But uh, because you don't have as much time with your kids, you need to make better use of it. You know, people talk about quality. Well, you can have all the quality you want, but you need to have as much quantity as you can also um, because what you perceive as quality may or may not be quality for your kids. But uh, at the same time, um, make sure that, that you do tune in. It's more difficult today than ever. You know, um, I think us going through this pandemic that we're going through at this time is a good because God created us to be social creatures and we're able to communicate more ways just like you and I are doing today mm -hmm. than you ever could have with social distancing but it's still really tough and one of the things we tried to do was have meals at home you hear it all the time but 
but it matters. It really does um, have an effect on things. So you try to be the, the, the best question and answer, I think, is, is you try to put that stuff behind you at work. Yes, the wheels are still turned. But if you concentrate on your family, you can put those things behind you at least for a period of time. That's good. I always enjoy asking that question, although not a coach. I've gained so much. I was telling somebody last week, a friend of mine, and he was asking me just about the podcast. And I said, you know, one thing, most of the people I talk to, when I get to that question, I feel like God is is putting it there just for me. And if a listener gets something, that's fine, because I feel like, you know, the husband and dad thing, um, although the Bible is a great reference, there's uh, there's there's a lot of um, wisdom I get from talking to guys like yourself who are um, been there um, and doing living it out well that I I feel like you know God uses it to speak into my life so I appreciate that yes sir so let me ask you um, kind of the role of sports I mean culture is very divided whether it's politics religion socioeconomics uh, race it's just there's so much out there that divides us, but football, it seems, has this unique ability to kind of tear down those walls. So your experience, whether it's coaching, playing, how have you seen football play that role of being a uniter versus um, division? Yeah, good question. I've always looked at it as a great equalizer. It doesn't matter what side of the tracks you live on, how much money you have, what you have or don't have. It's about your ability to, to mentally grasp the game and your physical abilities. And uh, I've always respected that from the game. I think it probably in the racial divide in this country, although we still have issues, obviously, and, and I guess we always will. It's something I, I pray about often, need to pray about more. But, mm-hmm. you know, it has done so much to, to allow people to, to gain a biblical perspective in treating those around us. And, and we do have so many divides, Stuart, but I, I'll believe to my grave, and, and it's backed up by Scripture, that we are so much more alike than we are different. And if we can mm. just – and in times like these, as bad as they are, and you go back to 9-11 and these really trying times in our country, you see more unification and, and more people uniting, although Satan's still there, <laughs> still there trying to divide in, in any way that he can. So – uh, probably didn't answer your question very well there, but that, those are the things that, that come to mind, you know, when, when you ask me that. Um, I, I, I think that so many people, uh, you know, are fans of athletics, you know, and so much so that we have to be careful. You know, I, I see believers that are, you know, more dogmatic about their university than they are about their, their local church, you know. That, right. that, we have to be careful. In that regard, there's nothing wrong with us enjoying things in this world. But you know what he tells us as far as, you know, where our priorities are to be. And a lover of this world cannot be a lover of God. So it's and it's because of the the time aspect and really where your uh, not just your motivation comes from, but where your desire is. You know, we have to realize it. And one, one of the things that this pandemic done for me is, you know, I talk to our players about a big picture mentality. And I think that that's something that, that we need to have as Christians. You know, ultimately this world is not our home. We have, you know, a big picture mentality for us, the football thing. We have a goal. We have a goal to win championships. So what does it take? Break it down. What does it take for us to get there? Same, same deal to get into heaven. 
you know, our ultimate goal is to get it to heaven and get as many people as we can to heaven with us is, is what we should be working toward. So we have the manual, we have the scripture that teaches us how to do that. So we just got to, to, to stay in it, to keep reminding ourselves because there's so much good stuff there that, that just like we were talking about reading that book over again, you know, I, I try to read daily. Um, there's so many things I've read through that scripture and, and it'll hit me a different way in different times, you know, reading it. So, uh, I think that's extremely important in this too. Yeah, absolutely. That's good. Are you talking about, um, kind of what's going on in the world right now with this pandemic? I read something last night. Somebody just said that, um, you know, they've realized by being at home and everything being stripped away, how God has revealed some idols in their heart that they didn't realize existed, you know, and, um, was talking Tuesday night. We got online with a group of coaches. We started this virtual coaches fellowship, just kind of using this time. And, you know, one of the guys said this last Tuesday, he said, you know, as much as I miss being around my team, he said, as a coach, I feel like um, God needed us just to sit and to sit still and reveal that perhaps coaching had gotten out of hand, you know, kind of replace some priorities. And so, you know, Everything you said, you know, having the right perspective, I think sometimes, you know, God can use extreme circumstances to to rein that in and remember what's important. As bad as this is and as bad as it can be, you know, I'm a firm believer in Romans 8, 28. I think all things work together for good. And I think that's a, a thing that I thought of you just pointed out there, you know, in prioritizing. You really get back to what's most important. You know, as much as I love the game of football, I am a coach because how I feel like it can help me to affect young people. Mm-hmm. Um, I game, but I can watch a football game and not break everything. Coach, because what we can do beyond the game, and, and ultimately, you know, if we're not in it for that, we're not going to be as successful. Number one, as we could be, um, even even the guys that that really. You know, your, your big names that are dogmatic about what they do, everything they, they do from an organizational standpoint follows really what you should do to be successful. And it's just, it's just a, I, I, I love the fact that we get back to what's most important. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we really don't know what our, our spring's been wiped out. We really needed spring train, training um, and bringing on a, a young quarterback. You know, but other people are in the same position at this point. Um, you know, we don't really know as things keep getting pushed out we're, what we're looking for in the fall. You know, will the season be pushed back even? I, I can see that as a possibility at this point. So um, ultimately, you know, the things that are most important is, is our God and our family, you know, and, and those that we love and care about. And as simple as that sounds, it's true. That's right. Absolutely. So I mentioned to you early on that um, a lot of our listeners are coaches and student athletes. So what would you say to that coach or student athlete that understands the platform they have in athletics um, that really wants to be the, use that platform to be a little more bold with their faith? How would you encourage them? I think that it's, it's a delicate line. You know, you take Tim Tebow and He's done a really fantastic job in a lot of ways in doing it. He's never backed down from his faith and, and letting people know who he is. But at the same time, I think early on, people were turned off by it because he, he perhaps went a little little far. I'm not 
I'm not saying that's for certain, but I know that that sometimes when it's just the you know the Jesus for every touchdown and what have you, people can be more turned off. And again, back to something we were talking about earlier, especially if they're not living that faith out. You know, that's just something they say on the field. With Tim Tebow, different story altogether. That guy is a man of faith. Um, he lives it, breathes it, and then that's. I think that would be the the biggest thing I would say if you're going to. And, and I've even heard some of my own kids, you know, coach, that, you know, he's he's saying he's a Christian. He's saying he's doing it, but he's not living it. You know, mm. they just say, ain't living it. That's how, that's how they would put it. And, and so the first thing I would tell them is if, if you're going to use that platform, you've got to be consistent. Not perfect, but you've got to be consistent in your life validating what you're saying out there. Um, so that would be the, the biggest piece of advice that I would give them. The other is – figuring out the, the delicate line and, and letting people know who you are and whose you are, all right, without being dogmatic about it. Because the old saying about people have to know how much you care before they care about what you know is extremely important. I didn't say that exactly the way it, it, uh, it said, but it's really, really true. And uh, I think that um, besides, you know, living it, making sure that, that you uh, show people that you care about them, um, more so than, than just chalking another one up to, to how you brought them to the faith, you know. And I think that's a that's a big spot where we we fail a lot of times is we almost you know put it in this sports minded situation is is you know chalk one up for me rather than God. First of all, that's an issue. But then chalking it up that we got to be a Christian. But where do they go from there? We just well, we drop the ball a lot of times in developing them, you know. Um, bringing someone to salvation is not what it's about. Living the Christian life is what it's about. Mm, that's good. Yeah, that's very simple. Remember who you are and whose you are. Um, easier said than done a lot of times, but hey, you know, it is. Um, this is a fun one. So, um, you know, a lot of people have a life verse or favorite scripture. I like to ask that question or, you know, is there one that God's shown you recently that you would share to encourage us? I love this one because I, I love to go back and, you know, and read, di- you know, different scriptures that people share. I, I do too. And I have a lot of scripture that I, that I really love. I think I can't just narrow it down to one. Um, but, you know, you've, you've, I've used simple several times in our conversations. You've used it a couple of times. And I, I think ultimately, as challenging as the scripture can be, that it can challenge the greatest minds of the world. Um, and yet we're still like that puppy out in the yard that, that's just brought to a new house. He has no idea how that house got there. And it doesn't matter how smart people are. These They can't figure out the universe and how it got there. I mean, we do know. We still don't know how he did it. All right. There's there's the difference. And, and so uh, I, I've, I've gotten off here and, and gotten off my 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 thought a little bit, but uh, bring me back to that that question a little bit. The fun the fun aspect of it. Yeah, a, a scripture that. Um... Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you. So, uh, first of all, you know, if you're gonna be a, a wise person or pretend to be, you got to listen to wise people. Solomon, wisest man to to have lived, you know, says, you know, all that he enjoyed. I mean, there's nobody lived life any better or any fuller than that man did. And at the end, he said, the whole order of man is to fear God and keep his commandments. Uh, it's a class, Ecclesiastes uh, 13, 12, maybe. Um, 
but that one has always been one that resonated with me. But I think you've got to, let's go back to the big picture mentality. All right. The thing that we fall short on in this world is the concentrating on what divides us rather than what brings us together. So um, this is not just the only place that it is, but Mark 12, 30, 31 is what I, my signature on emails is, um, you know, the greatest command when Jesus was asked and was really asked to trip him up, you know, what's the greatest command? And he said to love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your spirit. And then the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself, love those around you as you love him. So, Stuart, in my, in my mind, there's no greater scripture than that. And and you you have to agree with me. I think everyone, if we can really grasp what that scripture says and remember, remember that God says you can't love me unless you love man. Then we will be taking a major step in solving this world's issues and ultimately getting those around us and with us to heaven. So that's probably that's my good. You know, simple, simple verse, most important one out there. Because if you don't get that, the rest of it doesn't matter. That's right. Yeah, that's good. That's that, and that's a good way to to talk about it too. That um, you're right. It's so simple, but yet um, very challenging. Especially the second part. No question. Um, loving others, but um, you know, talking back, I always use that verse in a way to when we talk about a few questions ago about the role of sports and how football can bring us together. It's, you know, it's like the football locker room is a, can be a beautiful picture of how God designed the church. You know, football, you have a common goal, you know, you don't care about, you know, people's background, you know, you're focused on winning and winning that championship And the church. You know, if we just focused on loving God and loving others, church, big C, you know, we could really make an incredible impact in our culture but a lot of times we take our eyes off that Mark 12. Well, and, and I think it goes back to um, that, that division, you know, there, there are no denominations in, in, in the, you know, and, and I have a friend of mine that says, you know, what we need to do is stop seeing a church spring up here and a, and a church spring up here um, again, because we focus on those things that, that we we think differently about as opposed to what brings us together, and and we these, this mega church concept is really more about what what scripture talks about as, as who we should be, you know, much more on the same page and different. And we have to go back and, and get a grasp on on the scripture that we just talked about in order to do that. But it's uh, yeah, it's I love the fact that that a team when they're, when they're really on the same page. Um, is going to compete, you know, and, and ultimately as a coach, that's more important to me. I want to win football games. Nobody likes it any better than I do. But ultimately what we can do is coach the guys that we best, as best as we possibly can, give them the opportunity to be successful. But when you see them work together to accomplish that goal, that's the best feeling in the world as a coach. Absolutely. And then tie that to the spiritual side. When you see the body of believers rallying with that common goal i mean it just it's energizing it's really neat to see how a lot of uh, congregations and churches have done things you know i i, I really what happened in florida with a big outdoor gathering but we, we've had some some small services at the lake you know a lot of churches are doing things online which is the, the better thing to do than, than we've done 
but uh, you know, it's mostly been family and very close friends. Um, and and then you know, I've even seen drive-through churches where they go sit in the parking lot and listen on the radio. So I applaud, you know. And then the first time we did it up here at the lake, you know, we had several couples that were here, you know. And, and I said, you know, it says something about you to want to worship the Lord today, regardless of what's going on. And I, I think we don't need to lose sight of that. I think whatever modifications we need to make to be able to do that are, are, are warranted. Certainly. I mean, that, you know, I, I mentioned uh, just you and I talking before we, we got started uh, that my sister's a physician, you know, and she said, we, we've not overreacted this at all. And I think we're seeing that more and more every day um, that, you know, the, the models are, I heard somebody compared to a hurricane the other day. Um, you know, the, the models until that hurricane gets really closer, kind of all over the place. And the closer it gets, the, the, the closer mm-hmm. the, you know, the, they they narrow down where that hurricane is going to hit. You know, and right now we're predicting anywhere from eighty thousand to two hundred forty thousand deaths. That is just hard to wrap your mind around. You know, um, and people yet still are not taking thing as seriously as they need to and should but with all that said back to your point you know it's been encouraging to me to see people um people's faith increase people make um, churches are constantly pre-recording or recording at the times they normally have services and and that worship is important you know a lot of people feel that you can be a christian without being a part of a a church but Mm. I can't, I'm not God. I can't say that that's wrong. But what I can say is the model he gives us is to come together and worship. And I think that's twofold. One, we need that. And, and those around us need that. And, and so when he sets it up that way, I think it's important. So it's really been good for me to see that people have figured out a way and will continue to figure out a way to worship God. Absolutely. I love that. So let's close it out with, uh, kind of a practical question to you. So two words, all in, it's all over sports. I mean, it's no, I don't, we don't have to get into what it means, but also it's all over, you know, you look at Jesus's teachings, you know, you can't be my follower without being selfless. You have to deny yourself. So I like to ask from practical sense, Coach Wise, what does that look like on a daily, kind of in your daily walk to be all in with Christ? Well, first of all, I, I think it's the greatest challenge that we have and that we can have. And I think it's designed that way. Um, you know, Job was, was picked for a reason to endure what he did. Uh, God said he could take it. And uh, he, he did. He struggled at something. But who wouldn't going through what he went through? You know, even even the son of God, knowing his entire life, what he was put on this earth to do, you know, ultimately was to go to the cross on our behalf. Um, yet the night before he is in anguish praying to his father over this situation and who, who wouldn't be that. So the, the, the important thing I think there is, is to remember that we all go through things. We all, um, have distractions. And, and that's one of the things I talk about to kids about there's never been, look, there's nothing new under the sun, Solomon tells mm-hmm. us, but the ways to get there. The ways to find trouble are much better ever were when we were growing up because there's everything's right there in front of you. Uh, there's no place on the globe that virtually my kids, my athletes can't go to. So it's extremely important that we stay focused 
uh, on the things that, that are most important, you know, and, and the all in phrase, it's, I, I, I kind of smirked when you said that it, it's true and it's right. It's worn out phrase for me, but it, but it is, we, we need to be fully committed. What that, what that picture looks like. Um, again, we have to remember it's not perfection that God's looking for, but it is the commitment, the decision that's backed up by our actions. So that's, that's really, you know, what it all boils down to in my mind um, is every single day we have to stay focused on what's most important. I like that. You know, it's decision backed up by action. That's good stuff. Oh, I appreciate your time. Um, I know I've been encouraged and I know those listen will are as well. Uh, thank you, Stuart. I really appreciate what you're doing. I, that's, this encourages me. Maybe we can do it again sometime. Absolutely. Thank you again to Coach Wadsden for taking time to share his story, to talk about um, the game of football, but more than that, to talk about his desire to use the platform of football to pour into young men about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. He talked about that we need to be fully committed. We're not striving for perfection, but we are looking at a full commitment. A hundred percent. And our decision to follow Jesus needs to be backed up by how we act. Our actions should reflect our decision to follow Jesus. We need to remember who we are and whose we are. Your identity is not in football. It's not in another sport. It's not in business. It's not in your family. Your identity is found in none other than Jesus Christ. And no matter what happens in life, we need to remember that. That remember who you are and whose you are. You're a follower of Jesus. You're a child of God. You belong to Him. So just remember that today, wherever you are in life, that um, you need to be fully committed in remembering who you are and whose you are. He even challenged us, um, we're talking about favorite scriptures, to, to listen to wise people. You know, um, all of us need people in our lives that will pour into us, that will pour wisdom into us. We go, number one, to the author of wisdom, and that is, is, is to the Bible, is to God. Breathe out to the Holy Spirit, to the writers of the Bible. That is the number one place we go for wisdom. But we also need to go to people who are farther down life than we are, that will speak wisdom to us, that will speak wisdom from the Bible into us. So thank you again for listening. Um, I'm not going to make this conclusion too long. I can go on and on from the notes that I have from talking to Coach Wasden. So thank you for hanging in. Thank you for listening. I, I hope and pray to encourage you as it did me. I, I'd ask you to, to share this episode. Also, if you're not a regular subscriber to our podcast, whatever platform you're listening to right now, click the subscribe button. There's so many previous episodes and there's so many more to come that I know will speak to you, will speak life into you, will be an incredible encouragement to you. Also, we love to hear from you. You can go to our website, allinsportsoutreach.org, or our social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and type in All In Sports Outreach and find out who we are, why we do what we do, um, opportunities to pray for us, to serve, and to give. Thank you for listening. Thanks for your encouragement, your prayers, and your support.